The Talking Football Podcast is brought to you in association with Luaf Press. Get 15% off all football titles with the code TALKINGFOOTBALL. You can also use the code UK15 for free UK shipping on orders over £15 and International30 for outside the UK for sales over £30. Hello everyone and welcome to the Talking Fitball Podcast. My name's Derek Clark and every week we try and bring you a first class interview with some of the biggest characters involved in the game. This week I had the pleasure of chatting to former Dundee United, Motherwell, Plymouth and Shamrock Rover star Jim Patterson. Jim was cracking values, he relived his career north and south of the border. He's got stories galore and also gave us an insight into his work now as a personal trainer at New Age Fitness in Hamilton. So sit back and enjoy the latest episodes of the Talking Fitball podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the, the Talking Football Podcast. I'm delighted to say we're joined this week by former Dundee United, Motherwell, Bristol Rovers, Plymouth, you name it. Jim Patterson joins us this week. Jim, thank you very much for, for coming on. No, no problem at all, Derek. Uh, we're just talking off air there, Jim. Before we look back at the career, of course you're a, a personal trainer at the moment. Jim's reopened today. What's it been like? Well, it's been busy. That, that, that's a good thing. It has, it has been busy. Um, I've got a couple of clients that are still a bit wary, which is understandable. The uh, and and oh, it will it will pick up. It will pick up. But like I said, this morning when the first morning it's opened, like there's no classes on at the minute. Although we have, um, we're just letting everybody settle back in the gym this week, and then we're getting um, started with the, the the classes back next week. But even all the classes that used to be thirty people in spin, thirty people in circuits, that type of thing. Numbers have been cut to twelve. Um, all the bikes are totally uh, socially distant, and the the studio has been laid out for twelve people with their own sort of like a box, so that that is your box where. So we're taking all the sort of precautions and all the measurements that the government's asking us, so that we can get the gyms back up and running because a lot of people have missed it. Yeah, in terms of you as a, a personal trainer, has it been difficult the last few months not having the the gym, or have you managed to train outside and what have you? Well, it's been it's, it's sort of been it's it's been good for me in a way because um, I'm very sociable. Yeah. I am also forty years of age, so social media <laughs> isn't really my bag, right? And you see now everybody everybody um, sort of online coaching has come into its own in, this, in these past few months. Um, yeah. So, in that sense, it's it's made me sort of um, spend a lot of time focusing on my. Um, uh, Instagram and my Facebook, which is JP Active One, yeah. and it's it's a chance for me to, to grow that and put that in place. I have as as the sort of months went by, um, I done some sessions with people, some outdoor sessions with people that were were uh, what to do it. It's, it's just been difficult because you've had you've had uh, limited equipment um, to use, and we did get some good weather. Um, I'd hate to have seen. How everybody would have coped if we went through it in the winter. Yeah. Um, I can't see anybody standing outside as the queue. <laughs> do you know what I mean? In the, in the middle of winter. So we were fortunate to get good weather as well. So it's been a, a tough time, a tough time for everybody. Um, like I say, Jim's obviously, um, I've come back into play just recently, obviously after schools we went back. So it's, it's, it's been tough all round, but there's been, there's been plus points as well, like I said, with the, the online side of it, and it, it really did give me a chance to. Uh, to focus on that but I don't think I'll ever come off the gym floor because like I said even I didn't have any clients in this morning but I went in to train just to see people to converse with people that you've not seen in uh, seen in months people that you were used to seeing every every single day for six years so yeah. it, was, it was good to catch up with a few people Yeah, absolutely Well, looking back at the, the footballing career Jim um, when you were growing up you were born in Bells Hill of course in, in 1979 were you always kicking a ball around as a, as a youngster? No, believe it or not, um, I was I was probably what you call a late developer because my my, my dad was in the sport in the slightest. My uncles, my uncles all all played. Um, like I said, my papa, um, they were all they were all good players in their youth, um, but never done anything with it. And I was probably, which 
has got to say, I was about 11 or 12, it was like primary seven that I started really kicking about with my friends. All my friends were sort of signed up to be boys clubs and, and stuff like that, whereas it was just my friend's dad. We, we started a new team and he started a new team in Blanton called Aberdeen Boys Club. He already had Blanton Boys Clubs with all the sort of best players in the area. And then like I sort of, um, my friend invited me along and I, that was where it started when I, when I was uh, 11. But um I progressed quite quickly. I didn't watch much football my first, like I said, 11. So it would have been my first World Cup. It would have been 1990. Right. Do you know what I mean? And I remember watching Baggio dribble with the ball because I would just go on the ball, pass it, on the ball, pass it. And then suddenly started watching it and developed. And it was quite a quick progression for them. The last primary, primary seven, we at Blanter High and we, and we um, didn't have a school football team, but we had a science teacher, Mr McFarlane, that came in and, Second year that then made the school team. Then it went for the school team, the district team. For the district team, it was Graham Livingston, who was Dundee United. Yeah. Um, seen me at 14, for that to Scotland school boys under 15s and under 16s. So it was sort of like very, very quick. Whereas you I know you've got kids. My son's been kicking a ball about since he was five. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That type of thing. But I, I would probably say, like, I kicked the ball about my uncles when they came in to visit my mum. But like it wasn't really into it until like I said I saw a primary seven and then and then high school. But it's 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 just one of these it's it's one of these things. I, I helped coach my son's um my my son's team, uh, which is Mill United uh, two thousand and fives yeah. and, and it's funny because last year they all looked like we boys and this year they've all come back and they're all starting to look like grown men. <laughs> and last year you would have saved in games, they had good quality but they'd maybe be beaten by a bigger physical team yeah. whereas this season they're coming back and they're quicker and they're, and they're bigger and, and, and we're looking forward to the season so I suppose we, we we boys coming through in football we develop at different ages Yeah, absolutely You, you said that you, you didn't start playing until sort of P7 in terms of like play times and lunch times what sort of stuff were you were you doing then if you weren't sort of kicking the ball around it until until that age? Just playing with well, toys? Well, that's what I'm saying I, I was always I was always a like I said, I was always quick, and it was one of them where I never get involved. And, and the boys, would, the usual, the boys would be kicking about a kicking about um, a ball, and you would kind of get involved, but not really get involved. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And you just be you just be hanging about talking about it. It wasn't. <laughs> It was neat, you know what I mean? It was it was like blunt and you were just happy to survive playtime on time, you know <laughs> even in primary school. <laughs> you're probably spending your time looking on your shoulder. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but but uh, no, it was it was like I said, you, you, you would just do other things and like yeah. you you know, I would I would be merely the sort of play oh what, what was the old game called? It was a British Bulldog, ah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. what a game that is. Because I was rapid, so that game suited me. Do you know what I mean? Whereas, like, I couldn't be caught. So, but then, obviously, when, when we get into primary seven, then I was the. That was when you seen me. I was never. I was never done with like a a, a ball with my hand. And I think it's something that we don't see as much. It used to drive my mum by me because if I had name mates, I would just stand outside and kick the ball off the fence. And she used to go ballistic because. <laughs> We stayed in an end terrace with me, we had a big fence, so all the older boys used to come and play fit with her, do you know what I mean, at, at night time, and she would chin them if it got too late and tell them to move. And then I would boot their kick my ball, and she's like, you can't boot their kick my ball, and me let me away with it, and Aye. then I need to chin them for it. But then it came to the time when everything all right, because I had about 13, 14 started to, started to develop, so I would join in with the 16, 17-year-olds and, and big sideies, and, and I think that that is a... We're bringing through great talent in Scotland at the minute. There is great talent coming through, but I think a lot of that is missed. At the fact that you you could you could I would come home for school and there would be three different games of football going on. I, I knew if I went to one park, these certain boys would be playing. If you went to the other park and, yeah. and you would have a game of football every day after school, and and we'd sort of like who's been flung up everywhere and there's there's less ground. You, you know, for my son, you need to organise yeah. like the pits or an astro where another boy's man's just for whereas you would come in throw your school bag in and just jump across for goalpost, you know what I mean? It is, yeah. It's. I think it's changed days in that sense. Yeah. So, you, uh, Dundee United, then you, you joined them. Is that just, they just sent a sort of scout down to have a wee look at you and then they like what you saw no, sort of thing? It, it was funny um, because I always, I always tell this story and it, it, it makes my son in that laugh. It was, <laughs> it was uh, Graham Livingston. So, obviously, if you think of this, I was kind of like... Um, Playing with Aberdeen Boys Club and we just started and we, we weren't much a team and all that and I wasn't really on anybody's radar. It was like one of these sort of things. And then I played for the school team and then 
we turned up, the, the teacher put us forward for district trials, so we need disrespect to trials and stuff like that. The district trial was nearly picked, so it was a team that they were really thinking about yeah. against the rest of us. And uh, I picked up the ball and ran by four players and stuck it by the keeper. Graham Livingston always said to me, like, who's that? And like, I think it was Jim Cullen, who was his number two at the time, said, uh, number 11, Jim Parson, Blant High. And Graham Livingston turned around and looked at the other guy who's Tommy Green like that. Jim Parson, Blant High. Tommy Green's like that. Nah, don't know. He says, and then you go to the ball again and beat two players and deliver the ball into the box. He says, and it was an unbelievable cross. And we were kind of like, who, 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 where's this boy came from? Do you know what I mean? It was kind of so. What happened was the district trial was a Friday and then I got a phone call on Saturday morning. And it was uh, Tom Green who was in the three of them with Dundee United, so, uh, coaches right. and scouts. And Tom Green spoke to my mum and, and uh, she's like, for the district team, and he was like, no, no, we'd like to come in for a trial at Dundee United on the Monday night. So I went in and played in like a sort of trial match and then it just it just went to there. Um, so that that was the thing. And then obviously at Dundee United, um, we, we that team that I had played in went all the way up through the youth ranks and we won the, the youth league. Um, so we did. And... It was a really good Dundee United team, so we would actually scud Rangers and Celtic, and then when that started yeah. happening, then you were on people's radar, and suddenly Celtic and Rangers started to started to call. But um, I really enjoyed, like Stevie Thompson, Craig Easton, Paul yeah. Gallagher. There, there was boys at Dundee United that all became my friends over the years, so I didn't really want to go anywhere. And uh, at that time. Don't get me wrong, if I knew they were going to bring out the under-21 rule, then I would have maybe assigned for Rangers or Celtic. But at yeah. that time, you had Gascoigne's, Loudrups, the Canios, Cadetis, and it's not that you didn't fancy your, yourself as a chance. But like I said, Barry Ferguson managed to break through, Mark Burchill and Jamie Smith managed to break through at Celtic, but that was through, like I said, the under-21 rule. Um, yeah. Fergie was always just got to be that, do you know what I mean? I had, yeah. I had played with Scotland with, with Barry as well. Um, so... Like the the look was signed for Dundee United, and you would have more chances of breaking into the into the first team, and that's when you disrespect the Dundee United. But if if Rangers or Celtic needed a left winger, they could go and spend millions and bringing them in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Of course, at that time, uh, Jim McLean was was the chairman. Did you have any any dealings with him, Jim? What what, what was he like? I was I was quite fortunate, believe it or not. I think I'm one of the only people that can uh, that can say this. But we we Jim actually had a a, a wee bit of, I'd say a wee bit of a soft spot for me, right? He had, right? he had a wee bit of a soft spot for me. The only thing he would ever criticise me for when I when I was younger, he says I would run forward quick, but when you run back quick, right? That, that that's what he'd say. Um, and I need to defend as much as I attacked. But what what happened with we we Jim is we Jim just. Uh, Loved his, loved his football, right, yeah. and that sort of, and at Dundee United, it was like you sort of, you worked for what you sort of earned, it was decent wages, obviously the, the long-term contracts had gone by the time that I, had, that I had signed, but it was decent wages, but it was bigger bonuses, so it was a case of, you would get paid good bonuses for winning football matches and then the club progressing, which I could understand, but when I went through my two leg breaks, yeah, um, when I went through my two leg breaks, I broke it the first time and then I came back and then I broke it the second time. And the second time was a, was a toughie. But in the second time, they get myself fit. I would be in the gym at Tanadice at like eight o'clock in the morning before everybody else had come in. And me, Jim, would do a bit in the gym in the morning. Oh. So we ended up just getting in conversation, if you understand right. what I mean. But then um, I had my daughter at the time. So when my daughter would go down to bed about eight o'clock, I would go to the gym, which was, um, I was in Carnoustie. And that was just uh, Brody Ferry. So yeah. I would go to the gym and I would do an hour, 90 10 at night. But his son, who's a policeman, used to train at that time. Yeah. So he would tell. So she just, I think, for the fact that I was working my nuts off, do you know what I mean? To show yeah. that I really wanted it and that sort of thing. I think I get a wee bit more leeway, do you know what I mean? Than, <laughs> than, than some of the other people because you could see, yes, I was costing them money because they had signed me. In, in four years so now two of the years of two leg breaks that I couldn't help but at the same time I was working my nuts off to do whatever I could to actually be back in the, in the team and like I said so I think I get a wee bit a wee bit a, a, a leeway in, in, in that sense and it wasn't by the time we had got there he had, he had mellowed it in the ah. sense of in the sense of that he took training once when Alex Smith was manager of the under 21s uh-huh. everybody was terrified <laughs> terrified right and it was absolutely brilliant it was absolutely oh. brilliant. He took it. He says, we've got to train for an hour and 15 minutes. 
He's like, no more than in 15 minutes. All I ask is that you give me everything you've got. And, and he took training for two days and the, the boys enjoyed it, really did enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? And obviously because he was taking it, and you'd heard the, heard the stories, training definitely had, went, went, went up a level as well. Um, so his knowledge in that in the game was was uh, brilliant. But like I said, you hear all the old stories. My past told me a few that you would just sit and laugh at. You know what I mean? But like it had mellowed. I was going to say it had mellowed a bit by that time, and then we were all shocked when we got him that night to see what had happened with the reporter. It had sort of filtered through, and we were like, "What?" And then you could you could. Chris Moyles played it every day in the radio for about a week. I think Chris Moyles did, and that was in England. So, like I said, it mellowed up to that point. Um, but no, um, he Regan was brilliant. Now everybody, like I said, everybody at Dundee United was uh, great. I've got a lot, I had a lot of support at Dundee United, especially through the bad injuries, yeah. and I've still got a lot of friends up there as well. Yeah, can you remember making your your debut? Yeah, my debut, my my first my first full debut was Rangers, but I'd actually come on before Tommy McLean. We played Motherwell get beat one nothing at Fir Park, and I had to come on for Bernard Pasquale for the last twenty minutes at left back. Yeah, that was my that was my sort of official debut. But then when Sturrock came in, people don't realise this. Well, I was playing the youth team at Dundee United. Paul Sturrock was a big fan, and Paul Sturrock had tried to sign me when St Johnston won the first division, and when St Johnston first came in at the SPL, so Paul Sturrock had tried to sign me, um, and then obviously Loggy came in. Um, and we had two weeks before the Rangers game because it was international week. And then he told me on the Saturday morning. Yeah. It was quite funny because we had done tactics and he'd come out in the paper and said, there's got to be a change to the starting lineup. There's got to be a surprise for everybody because he was just got to throw me straight in. But he didn't tell me. But what happened was we'd done the tactics on Rangers. And obviously you had watched... Kinchelskis play for Manchester United and destroy teams and, and he was injured and he, we went, we, he got us in in the morning to do set pieces and then have pre-match and we'd done the set pieces we'd done the team he named it I was playing got a wee bit nervous we were walking down the tunnel he pulled me he says listen he says you're playing he's like so if you need to make phone calls to your mum and dad go and make them go and make them now and I was like cheers Gaffer he says oh, and just to let you know Kinchelskis is starting <laughs> I wish you hadn't told me. I don't think I'd one bit of my pre-match meal. I was just sitting there like, "Here's a guy, Giggs and Kinchelskis. I love the two of them." And you were sitting there going, "Wow, I'm, I'm about to play against this guy." But we we drew nothing each, and I, I played quite well. And like I said, that was I'd started my run in the team for yeah. ten games. Uh, I so like I said, it was a it was it was a breakthrough that I that uh, enjoyed, and it was a. It was a good time. It was a tough time for Dundee United, but it yeah. was a it was a good time. Yeah, there was some cracking cracking players. We've had a few of them on before. I've had a, it was funny. There was a story we had Eric Pedersen on one week, and he was telling a story when he played. I think it was down at Queen of the South or something. And, and Tommy McLean went ballistic him at half time for no covering for for Morris. He says you're the cancer of the team and all that. What what sort of guy was Eric Eric, Eric like in the dressing room? He seems like a right character. Eric was Eric was a fan's favourite. Eric Eric knew how to like would steer up the fans, would jeer up the fans, and Eric Eric was a pretty straight talking wee guy, and yeah. and that's what I liked about Eric. We had we had good form players. Shell Olsen was unbelievable. Aye. Do you know what I mean? The job he done for United, and like I said, Shell's time was coming to an end because that was like Tom, when Tommy McLean. So like um, East Day broke through, Tomlin broke through. I was getting snaps here and there, being in the squads and stuff like that, but hadn't really, hadn't really broke through under under um, me, Tommy, because, like I said, Eric played that position and Eric was like standout every week. He, he, he was a standout. Um, and you had Lars Zetterland and you had Shell, and they made a difference to the team because normally it can take foreigners time to gel. They come in and the three of them Aye. are brilliant for the team. But we, 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 where we didn't get to see, where we didn't get to see we Jim, we definitely got to see we Tommy because he was a he was another one. Do you know what I mean? Like in terms of, um, I remember my first training session when the first team had been doing really well, and he pulled me out, and. I, I, I made a mistake in the first minute and he, he lambasted me and then honestly God for 10 minutes I was crap and he sent me back out to the youth team and then pulled or somebody else like Eastie and then he pulled me after training and says the next time I tell you to come and train with the first team you might be nervous but be ready to train do you know right. what I mean which was basically a wee kick up the arse for me right. which never happened again but that was it there was no there was no but the, the thing about me Tommy, Tommy was I was a sensible one yep. right so you had 
Tom won it was a big daft ass, right? <laughs> Which is brilliant when you see him talking about flipping on the telly. I, I still laugh every time I see him on the telly. But in fact, did you see what he done a couple of weeks ago? Didn't he surprise me when he read out the the pause when he it was on? Oh, uh, no, I, I missed that. <laughs> He had posted it on his Instagram where it came to the end of the thing and said pause and he was meant to pause. He read out pause, right? And then he, Jesus. he shows how much he can laugh at himself and everybody knows what he like. He Aye. posted it on his Instagram story to show everybody that he'd done it. <laughs> I was and then he had East Day here games a bit after Stevie Fallon, right? I was a sensible one. And we Tam treated me like a sensible one. So she when we went a pre-season trip, we would get to the airport and me Tommy would walk up and he just on me suitcase. And he'd be like, make sure that gets on the plane. I'm not kidding you on. I would shit myself for that one through there. Take I wasn't even bothered about my bag and my boots. I was just keeping my eye open at the gaffers. I'm like, if his bag doesn't come off this plane, I'm getting it the next. Do you know what I mean? So I was the sensible one. So I would get it. Where he, he would tell them they were shite and have laughing joke. I would be get a mere sort of stiffer person. I expect yeah. better for you. You know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Whereas they get a bit of, a bit of leeway. But uh, again, fantastic coach. Taught, taught so much and what I mean by that is we would do a three zone game on a Thursday where it would be his team that was playing playing against the others so I would be made or less on the other team in this three, this three zone game attacking them Yeah. and uh, his knowledge and his coaching and how he wanted people to play and and, and where he's seen the sort of the, the weaknesses of the other team and what they needed to watch out for and he would talk about it and, and honestly he was he was, a, he was a fantastic an absolute fantastic uh, tactician so he was yeah. and to be fair I've met him a hundred times after it and he's some laugh you know what I mean <laughs> just it, it was funny they used to talk about him it was like he would be in the dressing room laughing and joking and then see as soon as it hit half one on a Saturday or see as soon as it hit ten o'clock to Aye. half eleven at training it was as if he became this different guy. Do you know right. what I mean? This just this wee animal that demanded, 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 which managers need. I'm realising that myself as a movement coach. But when when it was actually it was actually it was actually a really good um I'd had a really good laugh, me right. Tommy, in the sense of, but when it came to that it was just all serious stuff. Aye. In terms of United, the, the Dundee Derby, what was that like to play in? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. The, the Dundee Derby, in 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 the sense of, uh, I, I just loved the Derby game for some unknown reason. It was just like it was it was, um, I performed, and nice. it's not that I didn't perform the the majority of the time, but in the Dundee Derbies that I played in, um, then a, a lot of the time I either I either I set one up, I scored once, but Big Lee Wilkie slid in the goal line and kicked it into the net and it went down as an OG. Um, but like I said, I, I, I enjoyed, like I said, it was uh, Willie Miller that used to be at Hibs. Do you know what I mean? And then Aye. it was Barry Smith. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, battles with these guys, um, two really good season pros and you learned Aye. a lot from playing, a, playing against them. Um, so like I said, the Dundee Derbies were, were, were great for the... the Great for the city when Dundee like come back into the league and and, and by the way they were a good team and then you had the full thing when Benetti took over Aye. where it actually swung a bit in the city where they were shelling out fortunes, Canidia, do you Aye. know what I mean? Caballero and guys like that. Um so even in the sense you just when 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 you look at that sort of team. So like I said, the Dundee Derbies were were, were good, good games. Aye, aye, yeah, definitely. You came back down the road, of course, in two thousand and four to join Motherwell. Was that did you just feel that a a change was needed there, Jim? Do you just fancy coming back down down the road? Well, no, I, I honestly thought I'd have done a mal pass, right? And again, oh. I'm I'm not going to talk bad of this guy because like Ian McCall came in and Ian McCall was a was was a very good manager. And Ian McCall we signed me Dundee United, but he also signed Barry Robson. And Barry was one of his players. And and Barry went on and kicked on and had an absolute fantastic career as well, Scotland and Celtic. And he he, he tried he tried getting both as in the team. I played in the right, Barry played in the left. If he played a five, Barry played in the right, I played in the left. Barry played in front of me, I played left back. Do you know what I mean? And right. and, and we tried this a few times to to, uh, to um, get the twos in the team. Right. But then Barry had a purple patch where he was scoring, he was setting things up. And as a, as a pro, you need to sit there and say, the, the guys get the jersey and the guys doing well. Do you know what I mean? They, they, but then Motherwell had, had made a bit of an inquiry. Morris was with Terry at the time and he made a bit of an inquiry at me at Christmas time. I spoke to him McCall about it and he McCall said, no chance. He's like, no chance. He's like, ah, Barry, Barry is playing well at the minute. He's like, ah, but I rate you highly. 
and you're gone like they were like when the game needed to be changed they'd half an hour that sort of thing being McCall's first sub going on and do something and change the game for us so right. it wasn't like it didn't rate me but I was getting to that age where I had a couple of seasons out where I was injured and, and with the broken legs and you're desperate to play week in week out and then it came to the summer and I hadn't played a lot the second half of the season and me and McCall spoke about it and like I said he said to me look it's, it's one of these things it's it's up to you, what do you want to do? Clear money for him off the budget to bring in other players. And Barry had made that position his own and I wanted to move on. So it sort of suited suited all parties. Um, yeah. And that's how the move to... But it did benefit me. It helped me come back down the road because I had a, my daughter would have been four at the time. Do you know what I mean? So like it, it got us back down the road and we moved to Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, before we touch on the mother, you mentioned there you get the broken legs, Jim. How hard was that as, as a player to... They covered for that and get the second one in close sort of proximity to the first, to the first one. Well, the the thing that was so difficult about it was was I had started breaking in first team. He got up to the pace of the game. Oh. Um, when when I, I wasn't over the first leg break yet, right? But what happened in the second time was the callus crack. Now apparently the callus grows on the bone, and the chances of break is like one in one of these stupid odds. Do you know what I mean? Oh. And I cracked the callus which is unfortunate, but I'd cracked the callus at the backside, which means that was on my fibula. So because the tibula had healed, then they were worried that the fibula wouldn't grow back together. So I had to, I had a machine that helped bone grow. Do you know what I mean? So I had to put one every night to get it back. But the, the second time was was so much harder because I had just spent nine months. I was back for three and here I was again back to square one. And motivationally, I always said that if I two things... So I saved my career, and what it was is one having my daughter. So it wasn't like you got a family to keep, do you know what I mean? Type right. thing. And the other was Jamie Fuller getting a horrendous leg break, and and I've said that many a time. It was horrendous for him. It helped me because Jamie was an unbelievable one of the most professional men I'd ever met. Mm-hmm. I had been left to my own devices. I would be having good days. I was having bad days when he would back me. Jamie just took charge. This is what we're doing today. This is what we're doing. I probably come back fatter than I'd ever been because you know what I mean. And the twos were brought on as substitutes in the last game of the season that that year against Aberdeen when uh, and it was it was good for both of us. And, and like I said, when I moved into Bristol Rovers, he was in charge of the youth team. When I got to catch up with him again, we still keep in touch. And 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 he has a friend that if we phoned each other, we would be on the phone for about two hours. And right. and uh, and like I said, that that was, like I said, horrendous, absolutely horrendous injury that, that he got. But in terms of myself, do you know what I mean? It, it benefited me and probably, I wouldn't say saved my career, but at that stage, I was in such a bad place because it was, you had done nine months, you had been out for three, you had you were about to go into another nine months. People are now starting to doubt you. You start to doubt yourself. Do you know what? Yeah. It just, all that sort of stuff came through your head. Am I going to come back to this? Um and, and it, it was tough, but like I said, we, we, we Jamie there, um, and the physio, obviously, Dave Rankin, but we only had one physio at the time, and the physio went up to training with the, with the first team, obviously, if they get any injuries. So that's what I'm saying, I was sort of left to main devices, but then when Jamie came in, he just experienced pro took charge, and, and like I said, I learned a lot from him. Yeah, but Motherwell then, the, the, that's, that first season you were there was, was something else. Um, Teddy Butcher, first of all, he was a manager. What was he like, Jim? <laughs> Terry is brilliant. It, it, it really is. Terry is the most passionate, motivational guy that I've probably ever met in, in oh. football. And that was Dundee. It was I was playing the first team. It was Dundee United youth coach. Do you know what I mean? And, and we were we were. Uh, it was when I was coming back from one of my leg breaks, and we're running the track on Friday after minute three o'clock for fitness. It was pissing down the rain, and Terry Butcher was taking us, and I was with the the the. the the, the kids and he's so enthusiastic and, and I'm going like that to the boys in the youth team who are on but I'm like do you actually realise I'm like he's played in semi-finals or World Cups I'm like he's played against Maradona I'm like you're fortunate that we've got him here and he's the youth team manager and and that was like I said they would have a great attitude because when I first came back into training I trained with the youth team at Dundee United and he went up and he would like, we've got loads of buzz. He says, you're here to practice. He's like, I don't want you to be safe. That's what he always used to say, yeah. never be safe. If you've got to pass the ball, pass the ball and make sure it's got to get there. If you miss the target, I don't care. If my session breaks down, we've got loads of buzz. And I thought it was a great attitude to coaching young kids because 
we do go safe because the coaches maybe standing there and the drill breaks down and then it's all oh, this drill's crap. Whereas what he was teaching boys to go was go for it if you've got a strike fitter, strike fitter. And then obviously I got a chance to work with him, work with him in first team, uh, first team level, but it was it wasn't a shrink and violet. It had your back, hated getting beat. Hated getting beat. You would hear it when you get beat. Do you know what I mean? That's for that's for sure, as you, as you can imagine. But he, t- he took a team of, when he say misfits, that misfits would be the right word. But he, t- he took a sort of a team of players that, like, the mother would like to compete with Dundee United, and I'm not playing in Dundee United's first team. But yet he brings me in as a first team starter. So people would look at that and say, well, I can't get any Dundee United's first team. How's he good enough for Motherwell? Yeah. Richie Foran, he'd been floating about the lower leagues in England. Yep. Brought him in, breath of fresh air. Scott McDonald had been up at Dundee United in trial, but we didn't give him a contract and he went motherboard. Then you had the likes of the old experienced pros like Phil, Marty, uh, Stephen Cragen, do you know what I mean? Big Gordon Marceline goals. You were bringing through guys like Paul Quinn, Sean Fagan, David Clarkson. And you had this mix of this team that was just, I wouldn't say it was wild, but like I say, we, 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 I've never been in a dressing room where you have quiet, quiet, Stevie Hamill, I can't leave out Stevie Hamill, who was just a solid player for Motherwell. You, 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 you had a team of Brian Kerr, that was another one. I'm just thinking that that sort of team looking back at it and the, and the people that get brought in. Even the signing of Jerry Britton and, and Big Jim Hamilton, do you know what I mean? Because we needed something different, a target man. That you, you looked at that sort of team and you were kind of like, it was a team and not one person was a shrink and violent. Everybody had a voice and everybody had an opinion. Do you know what I mean? And there was arguments and there was fights. It was like, I wouldn't call us a crazy gang, but it wasn't <laughs> for oath at times. Do you know what I mean? We used to do votes on a Saturday that big Terry Butcher brought in and it would be best player, worst player, best goal, worst goal um, in Mono of the Week, right? And people would just get hammered on it. it would, people, there was nobody that was off limits. It would be like Mono of the Week was always... <laughs> Always Scotty, right? <laughs> Scotty was always more than week, right? That was a given. But like, for instance, when Beckham brought his book out and Big Terry was on the radio yeah. saying, uh, saying what his opinion on like Beckham, that sort of thing. David Beckham won Best Player of the Week for the next three weeks in the vote. <laughs> and Big Terry had to, because all the boys were just writing, Player of the Week, Beckham, right? And Big Terry brought that. Who the, who the fuck keeps writing Beckham as player of the fucking week? You know, and, and that's the Friday before you go and play, you've got Ibrooks on a Saturday, and it was that sort of laugh and a joke on a Friday afternoon, day the boats have a laugh, eh, worst player of the week, gaffer's training, fucking shite. It was, it was like that sort of, where nobody was off limits in this vote, people would Aye. get hammered. But everybody took it in the chin, because, and we became like a really, really like close-knit group, yeah. um, which I think was the reason that that season that season ended up in in, in, in what happened. We yeah. made a cup final. Biggest disappointment was we let ourselves down. Yeah. Um, we did let ourselves down. I think everybody looking back at that cup final, um, the the a lot of cup finals, right? And we all get caught up in the equation. I caught up in the, uh, the occasion, sorry. We had met in the morning at the Bells Hill, Hilton, Family was there for breakfast, so the buses were leaving. We'd never done that type of thing before. We turn up, it's like all the fireworks going off and all the hangies, the atmosphere, right. the Motherwell fans, and we were turning on down after 10 minutes, and that was basically game over at a team like Angels. And, and, and it was, it was, we thought to bring it back to 2 1, but then they had good quality in the side as well. It was, it was, it was just a, it was just a shame that we had done so well to get there that we just didn't do ourselves justice when it, yeah. when it was on the, on the big on the big stage because as we proved later on the season we had no problem with playing games on the big stage do you know what I mean we just Absolutely. we just didn't turn up that day um, so that was that was the, the disappointment great for Motherwell like I said make a cup final in so long but just disappoint disappointing and 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 the way that the cup final went yeah the, of course the, the other game that's notable that season is a the final game Jim what I mean what was that like to play in that that, that helicopter Sunday game what's uh, the build-up to the game and all that, and then to to t- play, and it must have been a bit surreal. Well, it was, it was. You knew how big the game was, yeah. right? And if you're asking me to be completely honest in my thought press, in my uh, thought process going to the game that day was you were like, uh, one game left against Celtic. Everybody's expect 
to us to get hundred our arsties in a plate, basically, excuse my language. Um you, you we've had a good season. We made a cup final, we got in at the top six. Um and pretty relaxed because all the pressure was on Celtic. Um and you were wanted to turn up there and you obviously go there as a complete professional and you're you're right to do your job and you know what to take a doing it. If it's on the TV, everybody's watching and you know what to, you know what to um, uh, take a beating. But like how it transpired that day, it, it's still very vivid in my mind. And, and, and I remember it, Celtic could, I speak about it all the time, if the, the game was on the TV a couple of weeks ago, Celtic could have been outside at half-time. Outside at half-time. Um, we stayed in the game. Um, and in the second half, again, it's all Celtic, but it's getting a wee bit nervy. Celtic fans are still singing, still only one nothing. Then Rangers score. And the atmosphere died, and that filtered down to the pitch. That's what I would say. It filtered down to the pitch. You, you knew Rangers had scored. Like, nobody told me Rangers had scored, but I knew Rangers had scored. And then when it was a calling for Celtic or something, somebody was like, to me, Rangers had scored. So their form notes in the balance, and suddenly Celtic could only win and one nothing. And then suddenly Celtic start misplacing a pass. Celtic suddenly take a bad touch, and suddenly Celtic are kicking the ball anywhere. And you can feel the the sort of the, the changing of the Celtic fans get a wee bit money, groany, yeah. and pressure on them. And then obviously, the inevitable happened. I think it was. I'm going to be honest. I think it was on their first or second chance of the game, and, and Scott has a great finish, which makes it one each. And and what happened was the Scotty hooks the ball in the net. I remember looking up at it. It was eight seven minutes, and I'm like, oh my god! I, I remember saying to myself, we've done them. That, that's what I remember saying we've done them. But then the, the shot comes on, and me and Craig all up, here, here comes the Alamo, and then said, so you're right, it's the Alamo, and the ball drops to Marty, and Marty clears it up the pitch. And Scotty's a wee cell. Still think he could have squared it to Jerry Britton. Every time I watch it, I still think he could have squared it to Jerry Britton. But there's no way in the world Scotty's squaring that. Um, not a chance. Um, and then it's 2-1 and it's done. And you come off the pitch after the game and you're kind of, you, you, you don't realise how big it is until people are now still talking about it. Aye. Like, helicopter Sunday, helicopter Sunday, about how big a, how big a part you play. All my family are Celtic fans. Never spoke to me for about three, four months. Wow. Um, uh, nah, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It was, it was one of them. All my family Celtic fans, all my mates are Rangers fans. Do you know what I mean? So the, the phone was red hot for all of them, but you didn't go out in that way. It wasn't about Rangers or Celtic. You went out there as a professional because you, you you were getting, you're there out there to do the best for, for Motherwell. But when, when you look back at it, then um, at that stage in the game, if I'm being honest, we should have been dead and buried. Aye. Didn't believe, you know what I mean? It should have been done in the first half. Yeah. But this is football, isn't it? If one nothing's a dodgy lead. Aye. What was it like? Can you remember much of the, the dressing room afterwards? I heard that Scott was quite down because he was going to join Celtic that summer, wasn't he? But what was the sort of atmosphere like afterwards? Well, um, you, you had three years playing in a team, Gordon, Marshall, Scott, and myself. And it was funny because I think me and Mike Marshall in contention for man of the match, and then Scotty scored two goals and got it. Do you know what I mean? Because we were defending, we were defending for our lives, and he pops up. He pops up for three minutes and walks away with the man of the match. Right? It's, uh, we we spent most of the game telling him to hold it up because it was just kept, kept coming back like a boomerang. Um, no, but it, I, I don't think it was the fact that it, it, it was doing it. It was, it was just like in 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 terms of um, we 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 were all delighted because it was just it was it was a scalp against the old firm and if yeah. they had beat the old firm at any other stage of the, of the, the season, you would have been um you would have been delighted. But it, it was it was just so surreal when you look back because you, you walked the place emptied. Yeah. As soon as the Scots hit the net the second time the place emptied and you realised how many Celtic fans were in the ground. Yeah. And we come back out to the alert to say like see you later all the all the fans. And uh, they they the, the place was nearly deserted and it, you realised that the majority of the stadium were, were Celtic fans. Um, yeah. But it's 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 mental because the very first game back the following season was Motherwell Celtic and we were 3-1 down at half time and we came back to 4-3 and then <laughs> beat the score to make it points. And I think Sky Sports at the time were like, ah, sack Scottish football, let's just put Motherwell Celtic on week in, week out. Because Gordon Strachan had just been beat 5-0 off the game in Bratislava right. um, and we played them and it was first game on the telly next season. Who uh-huh. is it? Motherwell against Celtic again. The, the same where we were here last season. 3-1 down 4-3. I remember the commentator shouting, Motherwell have done it again. And then beat scores to make it for each. And there was, there was something about it. Rangers and Motherwell were always, 
were good games at Fir Park. Yeah. Um, but like I said, for some reason, the game Celtic against Motherwell at Fir Park were, were always always great games. Aye. They were always great games. It just, it just it came a point when it was like, here we go again. They must have been sick of the sight of the place at one point. <laughs> did you enjoy going to the likes of Ibrox and Parkhead, Jim? Did, did, is that something you sort of thrived on? Uh, absolutely. Um, absolutely loved it. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. It's, it's one of these things where I think it's more intimidating when you go in and it's empty. Because see, when you walk in and it's empty, yeah. you see all the seats and you're like, this has got to be full. It is like a coliseum. But the atmosphere, the atmosphere is in, is is incredible. That's, that's and, and you can see why it plays its part in European nights. But at the same time, don't get me wrong, see, when you're getting trounced, you're like, here we go, it's got to be a long afternoon. Yeah. Like, sometimes, playing games when you've looked up at the clock and it's 3 nothing after 60 minutes and you've got half an hour to go. <laughs> and... and and you're fed up hearing Larson's magnificent seven song getting played. You're just like, <laughs> how many times am I going to hear that before the end of this nine minutes? It's, it's like, um, so it is, but you, you, you can't, especially uh, with me moving to England, it stands you in good stead because, like, you were turning up at, at, at big grounds playing the likes of Middlesbrough and stuff like that. Yeah. But you'd already dealt with that type of atmosphere. Do you know right. what I mean? And you'd already played against that quality opposition. So you, you, you had less fear. Do you know what I mean about moving to England? Because you like, you played against you played against world class players. Um, you played in front of 60,000. So, so it, it stood you in good in good stead. But uh, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't say there was much intimidating. I'm saying like you you would may rise to the occasion because you yeah. um, you had to. And it's not that you're disrespecting any other ground or any other team, but it was Rangers and Celtic at home, and you knew, knew that you had to go there on your game. If you didn't, you would take an absolute doing. And sometimes you could even go there. And be on your game. I remember playing for Dundee United once, and after the game, we were sitting there, and I think McMahon had put one in for 30 yards, and Larson had scored a wonder goal, and we could beat 5 0, and we came off the game, and we were kind of sitting there, and you were like, we defended well, we done that well, we done that well. The difference in the end came down to the, 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 quality, of the, the quality of the player you were playing against, and, and sometimes you could hold your hands up, and you could, you could take that. Um, so it was a. Uh, it was. It was. It was just, I was fortunate and I was I was quite thankful through my career that when I look back at the players that I've played against and been up against even like Scotland and guys that have played my age group, I, I was fortunate that I can turn around when I'm telling my son stories that he played against yeah. these players. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's another game that you were involved in there at Motherwell Gym. It was a tragedy what happened to him, Phil O'Donnell. How, how difficult was that game to be involved in in the aftermath of all that? Well, well, Phil, me and Phil were very, very close. Um, yeah. So we were in the room sharing that together and when we went night shooting that. And it, it, still, it still looks back to something that um, you remember and it kind of haunts you because it was uh, it was just so surreal. It was, it was kind of like so surreal in the sense that he was playing every game. Um, it, was, it was up and down the pitch. He was having like... Um, what do you call it? Like, a, is that an Indian summer? Do you know Aye. what I mean? Like that Aye. sort of thing. Where, and he was enjoying his football. He was the captain. He was controlling things. We had legs running about us. Um, we, were, we were winning 5-1. We had scored some unbelievable team goals that day. I think that was the best game we'd played. And then yeah. it was getting taken off to be rested because I think we were playing either Celtic or Rangers in the next game. Yeah. And and then he just went in and... and then, like I said, David got took off and he shot up the hospital. And then the next drop of the hospital was me and me and Paul Quinn. And when I walked in, Chris McCart's like, ah, he's away. And I was like, I thought they took him in our hospital. And then, like, I just broke down. And then Paul Quinn was excellent. Paul Quinn comforted me. And then Paul Quinn spoke to the phone to all the other boys to let them let them know. Um, I couldn't couldn't reward um, yeah. anybody. And, and it was just... It was just devastating, and then it, it brought the club closer, closer together. But it was a, it was an absolute tragedy and a liberty. Do you know what I mean for Eileen and the Philadonal, the Philadonal family? Because I, I can't. I know he's, he's a friend in that, but you, you couldn't have spoke highly, uh, highly. Uh, and I'm not just talking on the pitch; I'm talking off the pitch as well. Phil was one of these guys where uh, nobody the bad word to say about Phil, and, and that is, and, and you don't get many, you don't get many people at that, but that's that's the yeah. truth. And uh, like I said, it was a, it was an absolute um, 
tragedy and it did it did it did affect the club. Yeah. Um, but it was one of them where we, we had a couple of months and no playing and then you, you, you need to get back to it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, you, you went down south in 2008. Was that a, a case of Paul Sturrock being at, being at Plymouth there, Jim? Is that how you, you fancied the move down there? Yeah, yeah. There was a couple of other clubs in England sniffing about me. Um, so there was, and obviously, um, when when Plymouth showed their interest, then the chance to work with, with Paul again, because again, he taught me so much in my in my career, in my time at Dundee United. John Blackley, who was an unbelievable defender in his day um, so he was slip and and come up with the A2 game was massive 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 pulling power because when he when he went down to Plymouth the first time he tried to take me for Dundee United to Plymouth but at that stage my daughter was only one and Plymouth is Plymouth is dun dun right dun there right? <laughs> so, so like it was it was just too too much then he, he moved my young family which was once I went down to England I was about 20, 28 29 and, yeah. and and then playing in England, it was something that I didn't regret it, but you were kind of like, I wish I had a jump earlier. Do you know what I mean? To actually to, to, um, go down and spend ten years in England. But again, I'm not going to I'm not going to criticise Scottish football for all the for all the the like I said, the players I played against and the games that I played in and that sort of stuff. Do you know what I mean? It was just it's one of the things when you look back at. And then you see how when you get down to England, you see the facilities and how big the game is Aye. compared to our game just because of the financial side. And and you look and you say, um, who knows? But I've, I've got no regrets. Yeah. But how did you find the championship in terms of the standard? And obviously it's a bit, it's, it's, you're playing loads of games as well, aren't you? So it's, it's quite uh, quite f- full on. I, I, we, I signed for Plymouth, right? And it was, a, it was one of the ones where it was, I would say it was frustrating for me. Holloway had just left. Yeah. I think we're sitting seventh or eighth. And I comes in. And my first five games, we win four and draw one. And I score, right? Because he's played me at left midfield because we had injuries. And uh, I scored against Southampton. We beat Southampton away uh, two and a half one night. So we're now sitting fourth. And we stayed in that position, right? And it's getting towards the end of the season and you're saying, by the way, we've got a chance of making these playoffs. And then suddenly you're starting to think Premier League and that. And I've only just moved down to Plymouth and you're kind of <laughs> like, what the fuck's what's happening, right? And then we had that typical time. That was a year hauling up. See, we won that scores, yeah. right? Um, honestly, we, we had, a, I think, Charlton were doing 10 men and, and we were one nothing up and they scored... Early no scored two late goals for two corners, and that game rocked us. Yeah. And then we lost the next one, and then suddenly we fell out. And it was the first time we had sort of fell out the top six since after Christmas. Yeah. And we finished tenth, which was still Plymouth's best finish ever in a season. And then the usual happens with England. Plymouth are a good team; they pay average wages. Suddenly Leicester started coming in, took a player. Do you know what I mean? Ipswich yeah. took a player. That sort of stuff happened, and and we that team get sort of broke up. Which was a shame, uh, because who knows what we could have done the next season. But I suppose that's football. Yeah. Um, so the, the championships, it's, it's a big, it's 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 difficult because when you watch it on TV, the, the games are quick, right. physical, end to end. There is no let up. Like I said, the team at the bottom of the league can beat the team at the top of the league. The teams are all so close, so close together that we we talent as well. So. That's the that that's again your 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 performance levels need to be um bang on week in week out. Do you know what I mean? If you if you want to get anywhere, like a couple of bad weeks in the championship, you can be doing your fight for your life all season. Yeah. Um so it's as like I said, people have spoken about it before. If you look at it, it's probably one of the most competitive leagues in the world. Like the sort of and there's big money in it. Like I think it's something like the sixest richest league in the world as well, the championship thing. Yeah. So like I said, that was that was our second season was tough. And then we get um half season, second season was tough. We just fought off relegation in the in the, in that season. The following season we did get relegated. That was a year Newcastle uh get promoted mm-hmm. and it was just it was just and then we get the anti administration and get docked points, do you know what I mean? And and it was a it was a it was a tough time for the club after that because the the club 
after the season we finished 10th, we lost players and earned some money, but we misspent that money and tried to bring in a few big players on big wages, yeah. and they didn't work out. And for a team like Plymouth, that can't happen. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they can't bring in a big star and uh, him know to get us fifth. Do you know what I mean? Aye. 15, 20 goals a season. Do you know what I mean? We need him yeah. to get us the goals. And and he, he didn't. And and there was other players as well that brought in for experience that ended up moving on halfway through the season to get them off the wage bill. And then the club's wage structure had kind of went a wee bit. So therefore, the next season was a struggle because they didn't have the money. So you're swimming against the tide. And then suddenly, you're losing games. You're losing the crowd. You're losing gate money and, and then you find yourself in the administration um, so like I said it was it was tough towards the end of the Plymouth because we didn't get paid for 10 months um, yeah. Yeah, we did and we get fed it like over a couple of years which was was hard as well because you can't go anywhere because you're under contract but at the same time you're not getting paid and if you don't play the club folds and you don't get your, your money like in the future so it was a bit yeah, it was a great start it was just about a nightmare and end do you know what I mean like in terms of that Aye, how hard is that then, Jim? Like you say, you got a family and all that to, to feed and then you're not getting your wages. I mean, there's a lot of clubs around about me, the likes of Wigan and all that are, are struggling, what have you, but as a player it must be difficult. Well, it was difficult because the PFA stepped in for the first two months. They were great yeah, uh, and gave us something. But then they realised it was going to the long haul as well, so they, they couldn't step in for like all the months. I was quite fortunate. I was quite sensible with, with, with my money. So I had I had really good savings. So like, yeah. I, I managed to su- survive through it. But that, that's what you were looking at. There were some boys that were like, you've got youth team players and that sort of stuff that, that um, didn't have the sort of savings. And it, it was just a struggle. And it, it made everything 10 times, 10 times harder in, in the sense of... Um, like, you're trying to compete and you're trying to... Try to win games for a win bonus that you're not going to get paid <laughs> and, and I know that's it's shouldn't focus on money but at the end of the day it's your livelihood because you, you can't just say right I'll leave Fitba and I'm going to go and get a, a normal job but I remember that when like um, I had I had took insurance for my mortgages and all that sort of stuff right and I was obviously my soldier because I phoned up and explained the situation I mean can't afford to pay my mortgage we'll pay it for you alright what do you need to do you need to get in the job centre you need to go for three interviews. And I'm kind of like, Fitbit doesn't work like that. It's, it's not as if you turn up, a, turn up at a club saying, MD need a left back. Do you know what I mean? Can I interview for the job? Fitbit doesn't work like that. So you're kind of sitting there going, hey, why, why, why am I paying 100 quid a month for this? Do you know what I mean? When it's when it's like, I can't use it. <laughs> because it's, it's uh, it, it didn't like the guidelines. I It was just, I, I remember, I can laugh, laugh at it now. Do you know what I mean? At the time, Aye. you were actually sitting there going, what am I going to do here? Aye. I took out this insurance. So, like I said, that was that was tough times at the end of the end of Plymouth. But um, we get we we get through it, and then. Uh, but like I said, that was that was that was tough. The, the fans were good in the last season at Plymouth because I think the fans had seen a team that had been paid good money, and then we dropped to the championship. So obviously the fans are grumbling. But then what the fans also seen was a group of players not getting paid any money whatsoever. Aye that played for 10 months just to keep the club afloat. Right. So even though we get relegated that season because of the points, we couldn't claw it back. And I think they they realised the situation was sort of out of their control as well. So they'd done whatever they could to back us, which was, right. which was excellent for the Plymouth fans because at the end of the day, it was their club and it's still a club and it's, it's a club that I still look out for. I enjoyed my time in Plymouth. Yeah. Love Plymouth as a place. Love Devon. It's beautiful. Um, people always say that to me I'm sort of moving into management now and they're kind of like if you can manage who would you manage I'd be like I'd take Plymouth job in a minute Torquay job in a minute do you know doing, doing that doing that yeah. um, neck of the woods because even though it's a trek it is a beautiful place to stay Aye. I, I, I reported in a game there a, a, a couple of seasons ago it's a cracking wee, wee, wee set up they've got there and they were building their, they've got a new main, main stand as well they? so it's a cracking wee place only, down there it was the only thing I let it do in the main stand but like Aye. I said I knew they were going to rectify that no it is it's a really good set up Plymouth good club good people yeah but they moved to Ireland then to Shamrock Rovers Jim how did that, all that come about well that came about um, just it was I'd come back up to Scotland and I, I was training with Kilmarnock and to be fair Kilmarnock they said like we, we've not got any money left but they were giving me facilities to train and I came home one night and I had a, phone, a missed phone call from Michael O'Neill and uh, I had I knew Michael O'Neill at Dundee United days, um, knew him to speak to, and 
they had obviously just qualified for the Europa. Aye. Um, and he's like, look, I need experience. He's like, I've got a young left back. He's like, I will maybe need to double up. I could play in front of him. Um, how many games you played? And I'm like, well, I've hardly played any. So it took me a couple of games to get up to match speed. I missed the first European game. But we... We, we get no points, but no points were expected, but we competed in every game. We Aye. we were, um, believe it or not, we done better in the away games than we did in the home games, because in the home games, we kind of, I'm not being funny, but we are not hiding nothing. So see, instead of going and defend, we just went out and went for it. And like, Tottenham beat us 4 nothing, and uh, Pout beat us 3 nothing. I think Ruben Kazan beat us 3 nothing as well, right? But when we were in... Uh, out, we were we were Solanica, we were one nothing down, come back to one each, get beat two and one. Ruben Kazan, we were one nothing down, come back to one each, get beat four one. We went one nothing up at White Hart Lane. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> they actually sent out, they sent out Bale and Modric to get yep. warmed up, which I suppose was a wee bit of like a sort of partner back. Do you know what I mean? Because they were one nothing down. So when you when you when you look at that, that was a great experience because when I left Motherwell, I missed that. Um, that chance because I'm left halfway through the season so I missed the chance to, to get European football so I um, uh, was uh, was delighted at the chance to, to, to play European football yeah. and like play against um, play against their teams and it was a uh, it was it was then we won the league in Ireland. There was like twelve games left and we won the league, do you know what I mean? Which was great for, for Shamrock Rovers. So it was a great experience to get me actually up to match fitness and go me games under my belt and I did enjoy my time there. I do still laugh at one story that I tell everybody um about that. And what was really funny was when we played Ruben Kazan because I remember being eighteen and watching Obi Fanny Martins play for oh, Inter Milan and he was nineteen. And then you fast forward like 18, 17 year, and 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 I'm thirty five, and I read the program, and Obi Fanny Martin's thirty three, and I'm kind of like, <laughs> I went to be a year, year older than me, two years younger than me. I'm like, how did that work? Um, but it was just it was one of the man's was standing in the changing room before the game, just laughing. But that was crazy. We landed there, and it was like Rocky Ford. He stepped off the plane. <laughs> they, all the guys who were only playing that landed. One of the boys actually started playing the team show, and the fellow was always not the supporters. Everybody burst out laughing. We played there in minus fifteen. Minus fifteen. Wow. It was right. We played um, POAK Salonica Aye. at uh, midnight because it was so warm. <laughs> it was incredible. And here's me being the total pro. I'm in my bed all day, staring at the sun. Drinking water, yeah. Can hear all the Irish boys because Shamrock Rovers had only be- they were part time. Well, the Irish boys are in the pool swimming, <laughs> having a laugh, sunbathing, right? And I'm looking out and I'm like, lads, it's not a boys' holiday, we've got a game in like eight hours. <laughs> it's uh, but it just goes that was very relaxed, like in the sense they were a great. I stayed with two Irish guys over there, um, Sully and Big Muff, who was the captain and the vice captain. And these two boys could actually play that level. I, I really, I, the, the Irish game. You've seen it when Doyle and, and Long and that come across. Right. Irish game is very competitive. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I don't mean it sound thingy, but I wouldn't say it was very far off the, the Scottish League bar right. the big two. Do you know yeah. what I mean? In the sense of how competitive how competitive the Irish League is. And I knew I wasn't going out there for like just to, do you know what I mean, have a jolly up because we stayed just outside Dublin. It was it was tough to, to win the league. But like I said, it was a it was a, that was just another good experience coming towards the end of, end of my career. Yeah. And just something different. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned there Michael O'Neill. Uh, what was he like, Jim, to, to play under? Brilliant, brilliant. He, he still he still took part in training and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And 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 he was great. And his number two was Jim Magilton. And like Jim Magilton had been sort of a switch manager. And Jim Magilton had been a Premier League player in that. And and like again, it was one of them. Jim spoke. I was all years, and you could see other. I made a suspect to other boys. Maybe give him a look, and you're kind of saying. Guys had a hell of a career, do you know what I mean? See so if you've got to pass on information, you've got to, you've got to listen to it. Um, so, like I said, and same with same with Michael O'Neill. Michael O'Neill was a fantastic player, absolutely fantastic player. So, like I said, to to um, play under later um, as well um, was brilliant, and and it was great. I was watching the TV the other day, and I noticed the young left back that played behind me as was young in in this. 
Edna Stevens. Oh, is that right? Aye. Wow. He went to Aston Villa, who's now I watched at Sheffield United. Yeah. So I was absolutely delighted to see because he was he was he was a talent. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like I'd went earlier as an experienced left back. He played the left back, done absolutely brilliant playing against. I don't remember I doubled up to help him play against. Uh, uh, who was it? Who was the winger at the time? Uh, Townsend. So I was Aye. doubling up to help him against him, but he held his end against Townsend. Do you know what I mean? So like I said, you could always see he was going for a bright future. Yeah, the, the, the draw, I think the draw was just made as well that Shamrock Rovers playing Milan in the Europa League qualifier as well. So a, cra- a cracking tie for them for, for this season. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. It is, it is it's, it's, it's like a, 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 a Tala, it's a great place, do you know what I mean? Great yeah. atmosphere. We won the league, so it ended up like party atmosphere as well. So no, I enjoyed my time there. Yeah, um, Bristol Rovers, of course, uh, memories for there. Was it Mark McGee that signed you when, when you went there? It was Mark McGee, yeah. Mark McGee signed me at Bristol Rovers, so he, he went down and uh, he phoned me and they had staffed a big budget and it just didn't work out for the previous manager, so he didn't have much money left and I didn't have a club. So he phoned me and uh, asked me to come down. Um, and like I said, they went down there and worked under Mark three times, Motherwell, Aberdeen, Bristol Rovers and... And I would walk with him again, again, another guy, the way he sees the game, the way he thinks about the game and all that, it's incredible. Yeah. Really is incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, of course, it was a tough, uh, tough season for you down there, of, of course. Did you, and then you came back up the road, of, to back up, was it Forfa you came back up to, to join? Back up the road, back up the road to, to Forfa. It was, it was, I was just, it was that, I was getting through a divorce and my... I'd, I'd probably, all the teams, Bristol Rollers, the team that I, I, didn't, I didn't play... I, 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 I wasn't consistent. I didn't play well. One, one club that I can look back at and say that I wouldn't say that I'd, I'd underperformed, but it just wasn't. I had I had a uh, season under Mark, uh, half a season under Mark. We done really well to get the position we were in, and everybody was looking forward to next season. But again, some of the players, um, my Fasa Kayaro went to Middlesbrough, um, and he was a big player for us. And we didn't replace him. So the next season was a bit of a struggle under Mark. Mark got sacked, and when Mark sort of went, Aye. I had lost interest. My, my, my kids were up the road. I was travelling up twice a month, like coming up my Saturday after the game, and Mark would be good with me and give me the, like, the Monday off to travel back down the road. And I was pining for them, and you know that wife where it was, I was Aye. performing, but it was like my heart, my head was in it. I was looking for the like to come out at that age, but I was 34, 35. So like, clubs in the SPL were interested in me, but the, 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 the board were kind of like, He's just got to take a wage for a season and then retire. So, like I said, I went to I went to fourth under Dick Campbell. That was that I, I, my mates played for Rob Douglas, Stuart Malcolm, um, a few other boys that I knew. So, like I said, I, I got up there and then we we actually ended up having a, a really good team. We we I left to go to Dunfermline and went back full time for a couple of months. But um, we were sitting top of the league um, for for the vast majority of the season, um, and then it was Dunfermline. And then, like I said, I've had a, I've had a back injury for a, a, a bulging disc for the tail end of my career. And at Dunfermline, I realised that full time was past me. See the training every day and the performing and that. And basically, every game I played at Dunfermline, I had to take painkillers. And I didn't officially retire, but I had finished at Dunfermline. I said, you know what, that's me, that's me done. Aye. And then I got a phone call from Stuart Malcolm and Brown Ferguson at Stenhouse Muir saying, right, we need a left back. For about three, four months, and I felt good. I went back into training, played at Stenhouse Muir, and then, like I said, the the following season, the back really did play up, and I had to I had to jack it. But at that stage, Brown had seen enough of me and what it was like, and he offered me the assistant manager's role. Aye. So then that was coaching, and then, like I said, we get relegated that year with no budget. We were fancy to get relegated. We did get relegated. We nearly pulled it out of the bag, but we did get relegated. But the following season, we were given a half-decent budget and we went up through the, the playoffs. So we go at Stenhouse Muir's only like third promotion in their 110-year history or something like that. So that was that was good. And then we surprisingly get the sack next year when we're sitting seventh, <laughs> which nobody could work out. And we, couldn't, we still don't know to this day. We were sitting there saying... <laughs> but and, and then I went in and helped Stuart Malcolm East Bride as assistant yeah. manager and we won the league and then he went to Forth as manager and I took her for 12 games which I enjoyed but me and the club had different views on how they wanted to see the club going forward so it brings me just back to where I am now whereas uh, 
I'm, when the games start back up, I'm going to be watching games for people. Do you know what I mean? Right. Doing a bit of scouting, which lets me see the leagues, see the players that are out there. Um, I applied for the Albion Rovers job, but it was the first job that came up and they had over 100 applications. So right. it's one of them where it's just that that's the nature of the beast now, do you know what I mean, in, in terms of. But like getting an opportunity in England to manage, getting an opportunity here to manage, it is, it is still massively on my, my radar. I turned 41 next month yeah. and I am hungry for it, do you know what I mean? But yeah. fit was no back. There's no fans even in the ground yet, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like I said, the lower leagues are not playing because they've not got the facilities to test. So therefore, you're just sitting waiting for an opportunity. Aye, no, I know. I think there's loads in, in the same boat as, like you say, Jim. Would, would you consider going abroad? A lot of, you see, see a lot of coaches now going abroad to try and carve a career. Listen, I'm go anywhere. I've spoke to people about um, trying to get across to Canada, trying to get across to America. Um, in terms of that, for the future, like I said, in terms of like like my kids are still. My daughter's 20, my son's 15, do you know what I mean? So it's not one of them where I'm ready to... Because the last thing I would like to do is go and take a job, be there six months and then and then miss them. So like yeah. I said, I know they've got a couple of years to grow and then they'll probably not be like hanging about with me. So therefore, <laughs> like, then that might be the opportunity, you know, to go try different cultures. And so it's like I said, I'm, I'm very much... Uh, I enjoy my work, what I do, do you know what I mean, in the gym, and you're just waiting for a football opportunity, and and that's just the nature of the beast right now. Yeah, in terms of the, the, the PT stuff that you're doing at the moment, Jim, if people maybe want to get in, in touch with you and, uh, and find you, get, um, whereabouts can, can, can they find you? They can find me on um, Instagram as jpactive1, or they can email me at jimpattersonpersonaltraining@outlook.com. Um, and that's just one T because loads of people spell it with two. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, no, listen, that was superb. I really enjoyed that. Well, that was episode 65 of the Talking Football Podcast with Jim Patterson. As always, I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, if you want to listen to any previous episodes, you can catch them all on pretty much all podcast platforms. Be also sure to check out and subscribe to the Talking Football website. It's talkingfitball.co.uk where you'll find a whole load of great content. If you're on Twitter, you can follow us at Talking underscore Fitball and we're on Facebook as well. I hope you can join me again next week, but until then, keep safe and bye for now. Mm-hmm.